Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 113 of Death Readers. Just say 113. 113 of Death Readers. The podcast where Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you you read The Legend of Dritz, Book 4, The Crystal Shard, Part 2, through Chapter 18, before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. Did you have any housekeeping? No, I don't think I did. Uh, Neither did I. So, let's get into this book. Let's do it. That will bring us to... Part 2, Wolfgar. Summary. Future Dritz gets philosophical again. I feel like I hear about authors putting themselves into their characters, and I think these interludes are when Salvatore felt comfortable taking a more direct approach to expressing his worldview. They may not be for me, per se, but I can appreciate wanting a safe place to say... Social stagnation kills progress and locks society in generational dysfunction. But saying that, like, with elves. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) I feel like that's similar to my note. Uh, But that was your summary, right? That was, yeah, that's, but I mean, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I glazed over for most of it. Basically, tradition isn't all that. I think it's basically like, Tradition's fine unless it holds you back. That's yeah. that's what he was basically trying to say. But, like, sometimes if you say that to someone, it doesn't impact them as much as if you say elves. <laughs> I uh, guess. Yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't an auspicious start, but it got better from there. Sure. Uh, I do have a note in this section. All right. Uh, note in page 87. Uh, Suzchok sounds like a sex act. <laughs> or... A taffy-based candy bar from an alternate dimension. Or a Mediterranean country. <laughs> <laughs> like a mirror, mirror Charleston chew. I'm going to get a suschalk. Really? Because I'm paying for a suschalk. <laughs> oh! In public? <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on to... Chapter 9, No More a Boy. Not Yet a Woman. Summary. Five years have passed since the battle between the barbarians and ten towns. Regis is no longer the spokesperson of Lonelywood. And then I, I had to double check. Is that the right name of the right place? I think it's Lonelywood, right? I, yes. Yeah. He's no longer the spokesperson of Lonelywood. But he is wealthier and seems to be using his gem more frequently than before the battle. Wolfgar has grown into a strong smith serving Brunor Battlehammer in the years since the battle. He's abandoned his childish thoughts of revenge. Now only love and respect for his dwarven savior fills his heart. Well, I mean, or it would eventually throughout the rest of this section, basically. Sure. But I think right here, they he tries to suggest that that's where he's going. Do you have any notes in this chapter? Uh, just that you called that five-year time jump. I was very impressed. <laughs> Yay! Uh, it's where they keep dipping to Regis, who's, who from the prequel book seem like he's going to play a huge part and he's only been in here like a couple of times oh well rob you do know what the title of the next book is right i don't oh what is the title of the next book regis's big old dick it's actually (laughs) it's actually (laughs) it's actually not that far off the title of the next book is the halfling's gem yeah, that sounds... I think is euphemistic. It's clearly euphemistic. The Halfling's Gem. Well, I take it I th- back. My point is, I think maybe in this book is all about 
Wolfgar. Mm. Maybe the next book is all about Regis. <laughs> okay. And then four books from now, it's all about Caddy Bree. No, it's not. Uh, it will uh, never be all about Caddy <laughs> Bree. Ever. Even though she's got a mysterious past. Rob, don't you know what book the next, the, two books from now, what the book's called? <laughs> no, what's it called? Caddy Bree's Big Old Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's it. That's all. Do you have any notes? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's actually called the Barbarian Girls Gym. <laughs> um, I lost track of where I am. I honestly Do don't you know have if... any notes. Oh, yeah. I also don't know if that's what the next book is. I don't know if the next book is the Halflings Jam or if that's like two books from now. But the point is, my jokes are great. Um, <laughs> Outstanding. Do I have any notes? No. All right. All right. That brings us to chapter 10, The Gathering Gloom. That sounds like a seal song. Summary. A foolish apprentice summoned Urtu from his demonic plane to Faerun, a mistake that proved fatal. Seeking out the crystal shard, Urtu finds a car castle and, after bargaining to serve the human until his death, at which point Urtu could attune himself to the crystal shard. The two plan to seek great conquest with their army of goblins, giants, and other assorted monsters. Do you have any notes? I really liked it. I really liked this chapter. I liked, uh, I like bringing back Urtu from that introductory chapter. I like the whole uh, apprentice who's getting in over his head. He's he's nameless, which means he's fucked. Oh yeah, he's a um, red shirt. Yeah, he's totally a red shirt. But it was really, it was really. I mean, who doesn't love a good summoning? I I mean, it, I, it was, I liked it, was, it. I liked reading a summoning where like I liked that the. the agile playfulness of acknowledging that this kid might have some power right if not for him sucking so bad and and messing up his like his summoning circle and I like him that's s- what screwed it over i like him sneaking to get all the components he needed i liked him being completely full of himself and getting fucked up um so yeah that was i i that was really fun uh the only other, so this occurred to me here is it it seems like it's pretty unlikely for seven liches to get together to for for the for the greater good or the greater bad as it are, um to make the crystal shard. That that's do liches work together? They're I mean the concept of a lich is pretty Solitary. Yeah, solitary. It's it's I'm in it for myself. I'm defying death. I'm not gonna work with someone else who's doing that. It just do you think there's gonna be more on why that happened? No. Oh, okay. Um, it, it seems like it has a very, it's very ripe for a uh, backstory. Yeah, but so do the blue wizards in the in the Lord of the Rings, and you don't ever hear about them. Blue wizards. Yeah, there's five wizards, right? Oh, and they each have a different color. No, two of them are blue, and okay, those. I, are t- I mean, apparently there's there's shitloads of appendices, apocrypha, and external books that talk all about that shit. So you do hear it if you want to go looking. No, no. What I mean is, you know, you, you all you hear is that they exist. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about what they do, really, or anything else. But even like, in all that other shit he wrote, yeah. Oh, it's okay. Very no, mysterious. It like it's stuff he never finished or got to or oh, fleshed out. It's well, like take it back, he, he built assumed. this thing that exists and it's part of the lore, mm-hmm. but like he didn't finish it or, or I mean, I don't have to, have to say it, but um, he did other stuff. Sure. Uh, and and 
Uh, so I kind of feel like it's like that where it's just the kind of thing like, yeah, for some reason he felt like there needed to be those those extra wizards. And for some reason, Salvatore feels like there needs to be a crystal shard. And he, I think the main thing you're supposed to get out of it is it's a really powerful object. And he he communicates that, that power to you by saying you thought one phylactery object was powerful. How about seven in one? Sure. Um, okay, that makes sense. So I, 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 the reason I don't think he's going to flesh it out, I would love to hear the story. Like if the, if the prequel books were one of them was about those fucking liches doing something to make the crystal shard, that would be awesome. It'd be yeah. way better than the three books we got. Yeah. Um, even if it was just like, you take those three, make them two and then have one <laughs> about the epic of the, the wizards who became liches to make the crystal shard. That'd be great. Um, it's like we talked about before about wanting to see the founding of Hogwarts trilogy or whatever absolutely like, what the fuck really were they fun. after making this crystal shard i don't or fantastic beasts uh yeah. yeah so um i think the point of that crystal shard and the point of him backing all that stuff up was to just say isn't this a cool object leave it alone forget okay. the rest of it the cool object is the thing okay like the, 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 do you the ever yeah, do you ever wonder why and how the golden idol that uh, Indiana Jones tried to steal exists at all in the way it exists, in the place it exists? No. But also, I mean, it's a fertility idol. It's in the middle of the cold. Yeah. It's got big old boobies. Look I thought it, it was just like a monster. No. Oh. Wasn't it like a lucky cat? Like you'd find it in a in a pho restaurant. Yes, it was a lucky cat. <laughs> and he had he to put the sand in its paw. He pushes the paw back, and it just yeah. never stops waving. Right. Oh, <laughs> now what fun out. Um, but that also wasn't the crux of that movie. The arc was, and we heard all about the backstory of the arc. True. Fair. Fair enough. Fair point. I. I. I yeah. That's this. The, the crystal shards way more integral to the plot of the move the book it's the titular object of but I'm, i guess my comparison's really about like yes it's more important but the thing that it's the, the the task it's accomplishing is still being accomplished if you don't know exactly no, what i'm not i'm not complaining i was just kind of i was very intrigued by that and wondering if me too would hear more i i i just kind of doubt it I, okay. I would like to but i doubt it any more notes on that no. chapter then that brings us to Chapter 11, Aegis Fang. You say Aegis? It's Aegis. Okay. This will come up later, but it's Aegis. Okay. okay. It's Greek. I say Aegis. I know you do, and you're wrong. Like like Aeon? No, I understand. Or like Aether? Mm-hmm. It's Aether. You say Eon Aegis. Flux. I say Aegis. I watch Eon Flux. Aether. I say Aether. Both on Liquid Television. Eon Aeon, Aeon Ether, Not Theron. Let's call the whole thing off. I mean, I just ripped it, so I'm pretty proud. Do you have a summary for me? Summary. In this chapter, Bruno fulfills his destiny by spending three days crafting a legendary hammer. That's not... You don't want to go into the detail or anything? You, you, you Would you like to? I mean... Like all, the only note I wrote here was thumbs up because I liked, <laughs> I liked the forging of this hammer. This was a cool chapter. I I agree. I like the summoning of the demon chapter. I like the forging of the hammer chapter. 
They all feel like the right kind of fantasy. Yes. There was there was a mythic quality that it was reaching for mythic and it achieved it. It it was it was exactly and it was it was justifying the gravitas. Yes. I think that's an important thing that is lacking in the first three books. And Agreed. a lot of honestly a lot of this book too. But like it's it's better. <laughs> um but that one specifically, the the forging of of Aegis Fang was really like. I like I liked I liked how much it took out of him. I liked how his father warned him, "You may never want to forge anything again because you'll know you'll never achieve this." To not get too hard into like what that the metaphor there. Sure. Um. Should I? Go for it. Do you, Do you know what I'm talking about? Is Parenting. This that, is this that thing really? You don't think so? No. Oh, because you're putting all yourself into it, and then That's you're just a, a, sh- a shriveled old Hulk in the uh, in the old folks' home. That's fascinating. No, that's not what no. I... I was thinking of more... Well, it's similar, because the, the art of creation is the thing we're talking about. Sure. Right? So I was thinking about art. Like, oh. when you actually achieve a... a, a, a fant- when you put all of yourself into and you strive and you see the vision, because that's mm-hmm. what happens to him. He sees the vision in his mind of the thing he needs to make. And then he 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 prepares. He knows it's good. It's fleeting. The inspiration will leave. He has to do it now, or it will go away. And he has to make sure he does it perfectly, correctly, or else it will just disappear. Mm-hmm. Which is a little more mythical about art than I think most artists would would agree. Like, I think it's mostly about writing. Okay. Because writing specifically is the kind of art where if your thoughts go away, you lose the thing. You're saying that the series will never be as good as the Crystal Shard again. I think I think that he's kind of trying to say. This is the thing he's worried about in right. himself. I think he, I think Salvatore is worried. So one, far, that, that worry is justified. One that, that he'll either fuck up his his only chance at making a book, right? Because like uh, Brunor, he only has like the Brunor has the one cube of mithril or block of mithril. Salvatore at this point has the one shot at a novel deal. Mm-hmm. So you make the thing that's eternal now, or you flop. It's gone after this. It's scrap and. The, the cursed, like, double-edged sword of that is if you, even if you are successful and you achieve your wildest dreams, then you either did it once. Or you have to be that good ever after. And that's all you're ever going to get, or you have to or you have to keep being that good. Sure. And, and the threat of not maintaining being that good could stop you from doing it ever again. And again, I think it, more so than any, than many other art forms, I think that, again, the writing is very, is most attuned to that. Because a lot of, like, artists know their craft technically. Like, they can recreate brush strokes. They can recreate line work. They can... That's why forgeries exist. Is because you can, mm-hmm. you know... You can, sure. You can mimic. And, you can, uh, you like, can trace. You can, you can learn how to do the thing someone else did and try... It takes a lot of work. I'm not diminishing the artist or the forgers. No. But, like, it... it or, or even it's, apprentices who would learn how to But it still doesn't have that like spark of creativity. Well, that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is like, well, yes, I think that maybe it's part of it. But but more importantly is like, to me, to my point is like, you're not going to necessarily forget how to do line work once right. you've learned how to do it. You could potentially learn how to forget how to have a good idea. Mm-hmm. You could never have the inspiration of writing ever again. Right. Like you, he could he could spend all his fun and cool ideas on how to write adventure stories in this one book, and then be like, "I'm tapped." Kevin Smith talks about that uh, sometimes. He talks about when he when he made Chasing Amy, 
people ask, he said in uh, multiple interviews that I've seen where people ask him when he's going to make another chasing Amy and his, his stance is, I think I only had one in me and I'll never have it. I, I, I just have never had the urge to do that story or something like that again. Mm-hmm. Weirdly. I mean, I, of his work for talking about him for some reason, because I like to, um, I think dogma is his best work. And I think that honestly, Jane Silent Bob reboot is really high up there. It's pretty good because of how much of himself he put into it. Like all of his best work, so much of his other work. He's like trying to be somebody else. He's trying to be a different kind of director than he is. He's trying to be not an auteur who's just self-expressing. Right. But Jane Silent Bob reboot, it's so clearly that's where he's at. And while it's a silly dick joke movie, it's still like those, those kernels of important things that are important to him that he's experienced and felt he successfully communicates through his art to other people. So like, because of all that information, it, it felt to me so much more, cause not apparent, but like it, it, it seemed like very much that kind of thing. Another, another thing that movie, uh, mother, I felt the same way about that movie. Did you see that? The uh, I, did, I did not. The yeah the, but the 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 one with the blue girl in it from the X Men films. Yes, Katniss. Um, yes, she, <laughs> I forget that she plays Mystique. Um, I just watched those with my kid. Yes. Um, yeah, Juliette Lewis. That's her name. That's her. That's totally her name. That's totally what her name is. Oh, I loved her in the other sister. Um, really having a hard time with that actress's name though. Jennifer Lawrence. I knew it was a JL. Hey, it was JL. Um, Jennifer Lopez. I knew it was JL. Anyway, uh, Jared Leto. Sure. Jennifer um, Love Hewitt. So her in that movie, she plays like uh, uh it's. I felt like the movie is very like uh, biblically metaphorical sure. and, and and like very, like heavily is how I interpreted it. I'm sure I, I genuinely believe that's what it was intended to be interpreted as. But like sometimes people don't interpret the things that you interpret the same way as you interpret them. So you have to say it's my interpretation to qualify it, to not offend someone who may have thought differently. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean that. It's just like, good Lord. Just let someone have their own thought once in a while and don't get upset. Not you, just this person I'm talking to. Sure. Not you, not you though, who I'm talking no, to, not right. you. Is this working? Anyway, um, the uh, there's a part in there where the the, the creator, the 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 artist in the movie, he makes this amazing thing and he doesn't want anybody to touch it. And then sure enough, people touch it and they break it and they fuck it all up and it ruins the fucking world. And and the world I interpreted in that film was like the artist's vision. Everything after that's ruined because the vision was ruined. The piece that he worked on was ruined. And it's a really, it's a really powerful and interesting and, and great movie because of that. But it felt a lot like this. It felt mm-hmm. a lot like that same kind of idea that must be a really resonant thought with artists in that when they get the, that huge burst of inspiration and that urge to create that thing in that one way that there must be, if you're not fully in the zone or in your own confidence, even prepared enough to feel like you can achieve your goals, it must be fucking terrifying to like, look at that and go, if I fuck this up, it's over. Right. Like, can you imagine if the, the, the people who carved the Sphinx fucked up and chopped its nose off, like you would never recover from that. It would be a blemish for eternity. I don't think Bruno wants to be like that. I think you're right. Although I got to say, I think those stonemasons probably had, you know, it was the way it was stacked up. They could 
replace that whole block and have the nose good as new next day. Oh, if I ever needed proof that you're not a Mason, <laughs> it was what you just said. Well, I mean, um, <clears throat> I'm not giving it away. Okay, I do have a note in this chapter besides all the stuff I just said in this chapter. Which which chapter are we in? 11 still? Aegis Fang. Yeah, Aegis Fang. Oh, I really like the diamond dust. Not just because it reminds me of Jurassic Park, but um, also because I thought, what? You look at me like you don't remember this. Diamond dust, Jurassic Park, what? Which part do you, are you not tracking? The diamond dust. I remember Jurassic Park. It's park with dinosaurs. Right. Do you not remember it in this book we were reading or in or in Jurassic Park? I, oh, yeah, no, yes. I remember the diamond dust from the hammer. Right, okay. So the hammer that was in that used diamond dust to infuse it, its runes with magical power or whatever, just the phrase diamond dust reminds me of Jurassic Park because when Timmy is talking to... Not... Sorry, guys. When Timmy's talking to Grant, he says that, you know, I read this book by this guy named Backer, and he says that a, a meter hit the earth to fill the atmosphere with diamond dust, and that's what killed the dinosaurs, was the diamond dust. Oh. Okay. Well, you, you, you've made your point, and... Uh... My point is, I like right. Jurassic Park. You sure do. My actual note is stuff we've already said. I really like this chapter. This is fun fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Oh, also, it's it is, however, probably we should start a fucking list, but it's probably very deliberately derivative of Elrond reforging Narsil into Andril. But it's still very fun. Well, I mean, Andril, I think is how it's pronounced. I didn't get that. I, I get what you're saying. Um, but if anything, okay, I maybe, felt maybe, more maybe. one ring forging just because they took us through it. Maybe. Well, uh, the thing that I'm describing, the, the part that's similar is not just the forging of any weapon, but it's the, like, anxiety. It's the, like, both Brunor and Elrond had to, like, sort of put a lot of themselves gotcha. Okay. Okay. into this particular forging. Like, for Elrond, it was symbolic. Right. Right? Like, he had to symbolically choose to take up arms against the Dark Lord again by reforging the sword that broke and returning it to its rightful, you know, wielder. And in this one, Brunor has all of the pressure of his father's words from beyond, reminding him that if he... This is his time to achieve his one chance at doing something amazing. Right. And there's a lot of pressure. And so that's, that's the part. It's the combination of, like... The forging of a special weapon with the extreme anxiety of the forging process that I found uh, similar. So that's why I say I, it seems to me derivative, and if not derivative, deliberately alluding to that. Sure. Do you have any more notes in that chapter? I do not. You should take us to the next chapter. Chapter 12, The Gift. Summary, Brunor wakes from his days-long unconsciousness that he succumbed to after forging the hammer... Uh, and gifts Wolfgar with Aegisfang, the magical battle hammer. Soon, Wolfgar will train under Dritzt. That's it? Yeah, right? That's what happened. There's nothing else you want to talk about? Oh, I do. I have a page note. That was just my summary. No, I, I know. There's nothing else that that's warrants uh, a, a, a notation in the summary? I Not in the summary, but I do have a, I do have a note. Oh, what's your my, note? My, my note's on page 115. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me see. It's page 115. That was 70. That's... All right. Uh, here's my note. Oh, thank goodness. Salvatore is setting up Wolfgar and Caddy Bree to be an item and not her in Dritz. As long as he stays on this path, he avoids riding an adventuring hero with a plus one to grooming. 
<laughs> well, my note was a, the more generic. She finally showed up. But yes, I really like plus one to grooming. <laughs> um, I was pretty worried about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you were, and I think it's fair. I do think it's fair, and I'm still worried that the elf girl might show up. Though it wouldn't be the same kind of creepy, it would still be creepy to me. I'm not entirely worried about that because, well, there's something that happens in these chapters that makes me less worried about that. Okay. But I don't have a note on it, so I might as well say it here. Is that, okay. At a, some, at a certain point, Dritz recalls, the, he's explained to Wolfgar that raid that he went on where they slaughtered all the elves. Right. He, he very much specifically in this chapter mentions that everyone was murdered in that event. Which we know isn't true. I don't know if he said it that way because I was waiting for him to bring it up. He says nobody survived. They killed all the women and all the children. He says something like yeah, that. Yeah, but yes, but he might have said it with like the, with the intent that no one would survive or something. I thought there was still some wiggle room. Uh, you either could also way, make the argument that he like he to him he has to never talk about that elf girl surviving. But that's why it'll show up later. Like I was part of that raid. Remember? Well, we also now have to let's remember make that like Dritz schmoochies. That, that that book was written after this book, so right. that book is more in line with continuity than this book. So I, True. if your question is, will he ever hook up with that elf girl? I don't know, Rob. There's 37 books. If if the question is, will it happen in this book? I oh, don't no. think so. Not this book, but maybe this trilogy. Trilogy? You think in the trilogy it might? Wow. Isn't this its own trilogy? One, two, or three, four, or four, five, and six? Yeah, it is, but. But still, like, no, that's one I, big story. It's possible. It just, I don't, I don't know what to expect from this guy. Cause like, sometimes he says shit that I hate. Sure. Like he'll write something. Like he had this line later that I didn't take a note on, but bothered me. That was like, and that's when Wolfgar knew that someday Dritz would lead him somewhere that was his death or something like that. Like he would lead him into a dungeon he would never come out of or some fucking shit like that. I mean, and I, I take that shit very literally. Sure. Like I, I don't take that as like, Oh, he's just saying like, Oh boy, that drifts. You'll be the death of me. It's like, you know who also said that Obi-Wan to Anakin Skywalker. Oh, and guess what happened? It was on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said it because it was shitty writing. <laughs> I feel like maybe RL, R.A. Salvatore. R.L. Stein is really good at writing short stories and novellas mm. and then takes three of those and turns them into a book and then has to just fill it with filler until it hits the 340 mark. So all the shit you like is from the original draft and all the shit you hate is his filler. Yeah, maybe. That's my guess that I'm guessing right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> a line that I didn't... It wasn't a line. It was an attitude. But an attitude, <gasps> an attitude? I didn't... I didn't like in these first few pages of this chapter was how Caddy Bree wasn't like the other girls. Oh, but she isn't. I, she's not like all the other girls. She's like, Beverly. Beverly. Yeah. Crusher? No, the other one. Uh, the one red, from Will and Grace? Red. All three of them have red hair. Wait, no, that's <laughs> Grace. Two of them have red hair. Beverly Hills? Is that her name? Two one zero. Nope. You should be able to do this. Beverly. Beverly. <laughs> Beverly. You're so close. I think you were close. 
Why that that voice is is like it's like it's like say Beverly like this Beverly, but I don't know why. Beverly from Dairy. Yes, ha! I knew I knew that voice. That's so weird. <laughs> I knew that voice. That I knew so I knew that voice. Weird. I was saying that is oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I might growl at like some sort of predatory Tim Curry. I don't know why. Yeah, why would I do that? It's just Ugh. right. It's just right. It just feels Forget right. The rest of it. That that is some deep seated therapy shit. But she's like Beverly, I think. Is she supposed to be? Her hair is winter fire. Is yeah. what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, it's fine then. My last note. I want a Warhammer now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I was like, oh, this last that last chapter in this chapter, Warhammer be pretty cool, man. Warhammers are pretty cool. I'd smash them right in the ding ding. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yep. I don't <laughs> have it. any notes in that no, chapter. No, that's so, it. Yeah, let's move on. Chapter 13, as the wielder bids. You say wielder? Not why elder? It seems like you keep pronouncing the second vowel in these things, like Aegis and wielder. Someone who as, wields something, a wielder. Yeah, as opposed to a, a wilder. Like, you don't, like, like Aegis. You should pronounce the first vowel, right? I think you know you're wrong, and you're trying desperately to climb up that slippery slope of hope. Wilder. Mm-hmm. No. Like, like, <laughs> like, like the the guy who, how would you pronounce the name of the guy who uh, runs the elk tribe? <laughs> I don't remember, I don't remember, I haven't, ri- I don't have it written down. It's Heathstag. I'm sure it's not. But it, but the there's an A that comes before an E, so it must you must pronounce the E, right? Silent letters always come after. <laughs> like homage. But in the Greek alphabet Jehovah starts with an I. <laughs> uh anyway, okay, summary. Akar Kessel summons Heathstag. Before him and berates him in a show of power over the barbarian king. Do you have any, any notes? notes? <laughs> I don't. Um, I was amused that Cran Cinnabon was insecure. Mm. And, well, I didn't write his name down. I said, and there's the barbarian king and horde. I name thee Doug the Seer. For you called <laughs> this too. <laughs> I mean... I don't call plenty of things. I mean, inconsequential things like Dritz. I'm no god among men. Okay. I'm not some sort of Aeon Flux. Well, that brings us to chapter 14, Lavender Eyes. I'm not some sort of Deus. (laughs) Dominus. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Uh, I will say about this chapter that again, in in a in a very fun D and D style kind of way, I liked reading the chapter from the perspective of the person whose mind's being controlled. Oh yeah, influenced in a way that isn't just like I'm a zombie. I'm repeating the things you're saying. I like no, it having where it's like, his art, his one sided argument out loud. 
Yeah. And making the demon like, what? Right. Or, I mean, or that didn't like, happen here, but but that kind of thing. Or being like a a person who knows, like, I know I am. I'm con- I'm semi-conscious of my inability to have free will right now. Right. And in so doing, I will make purposely bad decisions because I have to show you that I'm. In oh no, charge. we're talking about two different people. You're oh. talking about you're talking about a car. Yeah. That's I'm not talking, who you're talking about. No, I'm talking about Heifstag. Oh, 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 when a car. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so, uh, Heifstag's uh, basically talking about how much he hates this guy right. and how much he would love to charge him and kill him Just right drive here. Drive his axe right through his head. Right, he would love to do that, but he he knows he would die, and he wouldn't succeed, and also he knows he's also under the influence of this guy. He's also being Jedi mind-controlled to do things like, say, I I control the tribes of the Tundra, and I am loyal to you, or whatever the fuck he makes him say. But I also like, I do like the thing you were talking about, the the Akar Kessel's... uh, More subtle mind-control. Yeah, sort of like, because he's also being heavily influenced by this gem, but also being like... Well, I, I want to make sure everyone knows I am in control, which the hubris of which may be his downfall. He's also kind of in like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Sure. So he's fucked. Who fucking knows? He's lucky to have the life he's living now. I also really, I, I, okay, I have a conflicted feeling about the trope of the slave girl. Because, because there's this would a be the, po- the, the, the women that have been given to Kessel, at, mind given? broken, just to take, well, I'm uh, given by the shard. Yes, sure. Sorry, sorry. Given by this, but taken, mind broken, just sex slaves, mindless sex yes. slaves. Yes. So it's like a complicated feeling I have, where it's like part of it is like I have a I have difficulty balancing my own jaded feelings towards overexposure to tropes mm-hmm. and appreciating them as aspects of genres. I feel like when I think about like, you know, the the fantasy realm like that, the really bad guys do this thing, uh-huh. which is is it's that's the part that's conflicting. I feel conflicted about saying that I think it sounds fun. It's a fun person to rescue. It's a fun person to kill is the guy who's doing those bad things, like the, right. the enslaving of women. Sure. It's fun it's fun to like there's, there's, but there's, it's, it's really complicated, like, in my head. No, I understand. There's, there's another part of it that, like, am I just saying that because I really like the slave Leia costume because I like looking at ladies, and who are wearing little clothing? Is that do I do I have to acknowledge and but not like do I have to as like I'm reluctant to? I'm saying do I have to do I actually have to come to terms with the reality of I'm indulging my own interest. In this thing, which actually makes me closer to the Jabba character, right? But than the hero character. I mean, I, I think acknowledging that's a great first step, though, because you are seeing it through George Lucas's George Lucas's skewed lens. Lucai, George Lucai's skewed lens, where other than the chain around her neck, nothing about the visual information of Leia suggests any kind of. Against her will, I mean, she's made up. She's oh, you, when you say supine. the chain around your neck, you mean the part where he pulls her back, or do you just mean the actual chain? Because there's a lot of information that's being conveyed about how she's not interested in this. She kills him. 
No, I know that. I'm trying to say the way she's visually presented is is made up. She doesn't look like a slave would look. She doesn't look all like, okay, so you're saying that, okay, I think I hear what you're saying. You're saying that because she doesn't look visibly awful and repulsive because she's been abused and horrifically treated that that is easier for the audience to accept because it, it's a, it's an inaccurate presentation of it's an inaccurate presentation. Some of that. Yes. I'm not trying to say slavery automatically makes you look awful, but I'm saying she's made up to look glamorous. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to articulate. It just feels like you as a young child are seeing this, image that looks no different than a woman on a sexy magazine yes and that's forming your reaction ah i got it to that you're, image you're, you're, it's presented in a way that is normalized there you go okay that, thank you that, that helps me as an impressionable young person ostensibly normalize the rest of it yes and add that to my context about how to interpret this situation in other things i just came at it from the wrong end <laughs> Right. I, I, I say your word's better for you. I get it. Um, <laughs> we, we've, we've gone over this before. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair criticism that you and you alone made. Yeah, of, of course. Um, the, um, and I think that that's, that also kind of gives me like the out of being like, I was just a boy. Um, well, you were just a boy as long as you learn and grow from it. Right. I certainly... Did not have a slave Leia poster in my college dorm room. You were still a boy then. Okay, good. The human male brain is not finished forming until you're like 27. I still don't have that poster for sure. Still don't. Maybe it was 37. (laughs) Anyway, um, removing slave Leia Mm -hmm. because it's its own thing. (laughs) Uh, Slave Leia removes herself. Thank you. Good, good call. Deja Thoris, like the the that concept exists in the in the genre. That's that's a lady from Dune. No, it's the princess from Adventure Mars. Time. Mars, right? I was gonna say the princess of Mars. Right. If you had said of, if you got your prepositions in in a row, I did say of. You said from. Okay. Well. She's also from Mars. Okay. <laughs> she, um, she doesn't look like a Martian. Racist. Um. <laughs> Everyone missed that visual bit. That's why. <laughs> I've got to stop convincing myself that I can do a good Ricky Gervais impression. Because that's what I was trying to do when I say that is just be be david brent but it just like david brent if you started with if you if you loaded it with an okay so you could get that accent going like okay racist right it had no accent at all but you understand the intonation yeah inflection like you throw that extra extra introductory inflection as like an on-ramp to this is humor as opposed to this is sincere um that's this this is how people talk about speaking right (laughs) so we always talk about speaking this is people people Every day are saying things like this to each other. Oh yeah, that's the that's the introductory on ramp word <laughs> to 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 the, that's the introductory on ramp to humor. Right, the vocal lubricant to really getting into this subject. I'm trying this this joke, the punchline. 
whatever. I've lost track. So, Deja Thoris. The internal conflict I have is enjoying this trope. It, it's... There's... I... I... I it's probably something I should investigate more as to why I like this trope. Because I think about that other, like that other movie, the uh, Fire and Ice, the the Fleischer style sort of like rotoscoped animation, uh, sword and sorcery movie. Talked about it before. I've I've talked about it before. It's it's got a lot of that same feeling in it. There's like those heavy metal themes. Yes, yes, yes. And 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 but that one specifically doesn't just have like oh. Uh, Frank Frazetta's style of buxom women who are like adventurous and and heroic and nearly nude, if not just straight up nude. But also, this specific movie is very much like this book or this story because it has that prince character who gets some sort of power, has like an ice castle, and ha- I think I either has or is. In the process of trying to get like sex slaves, like, I don't know if that's a better word, but like the 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 same sort of like ill-gotten harem. There's something about that I think that's I don't know why I think it's fun. I think that's the problem I'm having. It's because I don't I recognize how how like it if you if you take it too literally, it's not fun. Right. But so is murder, and they right. do that all the time in this book. So at what point can you have fun with fantasy without feeling like you have a responsibility to real tragedy? And that's, I think, like, the, the the problem I have is feeling like I have these, like, people in my brain who are talking and saying things like, you know, you shouldn't, you sh- if, if you like this in the fantasy, you're endorsing it in reality. It's an inter- it's a really interesting point because there's a lot of that talk when it comes to sexual fantasies. Yes. And how you can fantasize some pretty... I'd say depraved, but you, you wouldn't want to kink shame. I don't. I certainly don't want to kink shame, but but certainly extreme. But Let's anyone who likes clowns deserves to be in prison. You can certainly fan, uh, uh, fantasize some extreme scenarios, as long as everyone's consensual. Yes, and that's okay. So it seems like your relationship with the book, your consensual. Uh, R.A. Salvatore's consensual, that should be okay, but I guess maybe because it's submitted to a wider audience of people. But who... also, in this case, the character in the books aren't. But that's like, the fantasy. The characters in the fantasy aren't. But th- I don't think the that's The people part participating of the fantasy in the fantasy, like. See, they're playing the people who, who, who may not be consensual, but, I, but that's I guess... the fantasy. I don't want to conflate like my interest with a some sort of like wish fulfillment fantasy of my own. I want to make sure that's very clear. That's not what I like about it. Sure. I like there's something about that I think I like having the a very clear-cut bad guy. And, and this is one of those ways where it's like you're not watching him actively rape a person right. or murder a per, uh, one of these women, which would be something I wouldn't enjoy watching like you would get in Game of Thrones. Sure. But the fact that he's done these things is—it's—I it's, think it's like the—it's like the shadow. It's like the reflection of the thing that you know has happened. It's the implication that this thing has happened, and that's awful. But I, as the audience, don't have to experience it as the reader. So it—it mm-hmm. it helps detach me from the actual awfulness of the real thing, like you know, fiction, right, and fantasy. But I still know he's a bad guy because he does these bad things. 
And so I can feel, I can enjoy the obviousness of how bad he is. Okay. And, uh, and rejoice in his obvious defeat. His like very well broadcast (laughs) and advertised fall. Well, Um, in that case though, going back to Harry Potter and even the first trilogy, why don't you like it when they incorporate slavery to do the same thing? I'm just curious. No, no. I, I think it's because it's, it, it, it isn't ever paid off. <laughs> That's um, okay. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm not saying that the sex slavery will be paid off in this, but like Leia kills Jabba. Like, well, and also they are showing more, you know, examples of the slavery. Also in that book, the slavery. Sorry to go back to that. Just real specific point. The main problem with that story is that the characters want to be slaves and they're not brainwashed. They're not mind controlled. They want to be slaves. Yeah. That's the thing that I have the problem the most with. Sure, and sure, that's sure. the thing that's never clarified. Yeah. It's not that the slaves exist in the story. Bring it's, the slaves. Tell me a story about slavery. It's that but there's you, a framework that exists where they want to be slave. Yes. And that's part of enjoying the books is, is accepting that that's okay. That's disgusting to me. Right. Okay. Fair. It like literally being like Dobby's the outlier. He's the elf that didn't want to be a slave. And he's ostracized for it. Right. And he's also a bumbling idiot. He's a Jar Jar. Like, fuck. Like, like, so, so all of this group of people never get a win. <laughs> and you've made them slaves without a payoff. It just sucks. I just don't like it. Like, um, JK Rowling should apologize <laughs> for that. Um, and then other things too, but like that, that for me, first. that. I want a, an apology directly to me and then to all the readers saying, yo, what's up? This Joanne, uh, I fucked up. Um, shouldn't have said all this stuff. Well, we're on the subject. Here's other things I shouldn't have said. Yeah. Here's a long list. Uh, I've done a lot of thinking and I've learned a lot. Turns out I talk too much. We've all been there, Joanne. The difference is we all don't own castles. <laughs> You're gonna say we've all been there. Some of us are doing it right now. <laughs> no, um, the uh, so like that's I think that's the struggle I feel is I feel like this weird. I feel like we're in this age of this inability to appreciate entertainment unless you condone every aspect of the entertainment, which would make all entertainment suck. Right. Like it would it would make it. It's like that thing that Quentin Tarantino has talked about dealing with, where people ask him why do you glorify gun violence in his movie in, in movies, and his answer is it's fun like the fake gun violence is fun <laughs> like watch it's it's without getting into the psychology of it, it, it like it makes you feel excited like there's an audience that feels good when they watch that stuff they get excited they get amped up does that have potentially negative consequences i don't know we'd have to study it like we'd have to look in and, and like actually test it and analyze certain things and that would take a long time and by the time we got the answers it would we'd be onto a new different zeitgeisty corruptive thing that we would have to analyze so it's it's hard to to figure out but i have those those anxieties those thoughts that stick in my head like bright like like brambles mm-hmm. you know they're just like they're just there like just constantly making me aware that i should be i should be self-checking myself to make sure i'm not somehow tacitly endorsing sex slavery because i i like it when a bad guy is that it is that way in this kind of story sure Especially because I know he will get 
his comeuppance. Right. Which which is part of the fun of the that fiction. That is part of liking him, knowing that right. this kind of evil is going to be righteously punished. Right. Uh, and then and then you like the hero. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I really didn't think I had that much to say about this. But like this this is one of those moments where it like it really crossed that threshold of not just like he had like I think I mentioned it last episode that he would Joffrey a girl because that's what he basically says he's going to do is like he has a girl, he's going to torture her to a point where she is dead. Yeah. Basically, which is really horrific and not fun. <laughs> but then in this one it crossed the line it crossed over from that to like I've got a collection a group of women who are all like just detached and not there. And then you're like, Oh wow, this is not cool. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot to think about with it. Cause then it makes me wonder things like, what is it saying when you, you have a character who has the complete control of all these different people in his vicinity. What he does is he enslaves the women for sex and he uses all the men to fight battles. And then like the perspective there is like, well, is that, is this supposed to be coming from some sort of heteronormative, place is this is this interest or this depiction of the urge coming from that place like why did salvatore write those things why did he write that this character would do those things in this way is it self-reflective of what he imagines a very bad guy would do or is it culturally reflective of what we all kind of think is the right roles for men and women if we could control all of them. Mm -hmm. And in that case, doesn't that really objectify women worse than anything? <laughs> like worse, well not worse than anything, but worse than anything in the, in this t conversation, worse than anything we've already talked about. Isn't that acknowledgement of no, the reason this is a trope is because we still kind of have a subliminal acceptance of women's place is sex object. And that's not fun. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's, that's what I mean. Like when I say it's complicated, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's the, f like digging through all of that <laughs> to, to decide whether or not I like this trope is, sure. is a lot to, to be burdened with. Okay. So moving on to chapter 14, lavender eyes summary. Wolfgar is trained by Dritzt and lectured on the merits of benevolence and a good nature when the barbarian reflects fondly on the strength of his barbarian king, Hafstag. Oh, is that it? That's, that's a summary. Like, oh, that's, no, that's, that's fine. Uh, I had no notes. Uh, I feel like the concept that three books worth of Dritzt training is taken care of in a couple ten days for a barbarian dude. It, it just so much of this book makes the first three seem in some ways insufferably superfluous yeah <laughs> in a lot of ways i i still think that like as a treatise or, or a, a meditation a a study of the other they're not bad as a as a whole but mm -hmm. you have to you really have to go into it wanting that specific experience and if you go into it expecting an adventure story <laughs> or something fun i don't think you'll find it i'm just trying to do the thing where i say there is an audience for this hey. it's just extremely narrow or again you have to be the other person who just like is so dritz drunk that you want anything and everything related to him and you'll just read it because 
you're loyal because drift yeah yeah that's uh that's basically what happens they uh you know there's lots of training read the book what do you want us to do what do you want to read it to you read the book i said it i said in the beginning of the episode go read the book well now, now what you want me to read the book to you it's ridiculous get out of here well then that brings us to chapter 15 on the wings of doom my wings are circus tents that would be cool if smog said that <laughs> That would be very cool. My teeth, telephone poles, my claws, bulldozers. He's just like, are you a transformer, Smog? <laughs> are you a child's toy transformer, Smog? This is weird. Summary. A giant army. That is to say, an army of giants, not just a large army. The army of giants of Akar Kessel sent ahead of his army grows gigantically restless and violently impatient. Eventually, the Verbeg run across a camp of Brunor's dwarfs and cannot resist the urge to attack. So I guess my only question here is Verbeg is another word for giant? I think it's like a race of giants. It's like a sub race thing. Okay. I'm looking it up. Good. Because I literally had no way to do that. Yeah, they're like they're like large humans. <laughs> like imagine if you stacked like four cows on top of each other. It's like a human that's that that tall. Oh. So it's not like and stack them like how they would stand. Not yeah. like lengthwise. But, yeah, no, I got they're not um, far side cows. You would have said far side cows. I'm not saying ca- not, you stack cows. Uh, snout to ass. I'm saying you, you stack them hoof to back. That'd be a big trench coat. Ooh. Um, so it's like, I'd say he's roughly that big. Okay, that's pretty big. Um, yeah, it's pretty big, but he's not like... I mean, you could just say 20 like, feet high, but sure. Well, is that what it says here? I'm trying to figure out if there's actually... Average height? Well, that's way less. Average height is eight and a half to nine feet. Those are small cows. Well, the image here, it looks like it's some sort of cow that's next to him. Eight and, eight and a half to nine foot person. So they are giants. They're just two feet taller than our tallest people. Well, on that cover, though, Wolfgar is hitting a giant who's like three feet taller than him, and he's seven feet. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on. Certainly it's not I an artistic license. No. Well, the cover also, if it presumably has Brunor, we've already established is potentially incorrect because his hair isn't the right color. Right. Anyway, uh, that happened. Verbeeg. They're giants. Uh, is that short for very big? Probably. Just like Beegrim is, or, or Beegrin is big. Or Beegrin. 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 Ugh, Beegrin. Yeah, <laughs> Beegrin. Because he doesn't have a lip, so he's always smiling, you know? Oh, D&D names. Uh, no other notes for me? Okay, moving on. Chapter 16, Shallow Graves. Summary. Dritzt and Wolfgar discover the murdered dwarves and stumble upon their Furbeeg killers before slaughtering the giants. Wolfgar learns that Aegis Fang and has a completely original ability to return to his hand after it's thrown before returning to Brunor to alert him that a score of giants have taken shelter in his valley. Or mountains, whatever. You can't have one without the other. I mean, you can't, but you 
can't. You can't. Uh, um, I don't. I'm not gonna hold it against the book, but I did wonder the second he threw it if it was gonna come back. If that was gonna be. I mean, it'd be handy to have a warhammer that uh, flew back to you. Yeah. I like. I like. I think I like the more tightly focused. Uh, hammer on the cover of this book, you know, where it's got a smaller, compact, pointy head, as opposed to the fucking cinder block that is Mjolnir. I really like Mjolnir. <laughs> I'm, al- I'm always, I'm never gonna dislike that hammer. Um, oh, I like it, but I, I'm just saying this. This looks like a more ideal warhammer for me. That's interesting because, like, uh, uh, I've seen a couple art designs for uh, Aegis Fang. And the one on the cover is like the worst one in my opinion. Oh, really? It looks it looks very Nordic. It looks very dwarven, but it's it looks really dinky to me. Oh, like man. he's holding it one handed, right? Like it's, I want it to be, but like he's... twice as long, and like have big rounded bulbous ends. I don't think it needs that. I didn't say it needed it. I say that's what I wanted. Well. Dwarven engineering is all about efficiency. Maybe if I had some sort of fever dream about a hammer, I would just dis- I would agree with Brunor, but I didn't. No, hey, you know what? Why don't you go write your own goddamn book then? It's hard. It's not right. It's so much easier just to have a whole podcast that you do for 113 episodes where you just shit on books. <laughs> it's so much easier. Can't you tell? We've been doing this for three years. Can you imagine what kind of shitty book I could have had if I just spent all that same time writing a book? It would be worthless. Now I have 13 epi- 113 episodes of a podcast no one listens to. It's like, <laughs> think about it, Rob. Cost-benefit analysis. Where's the ROI? Where is it? I have no notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, that brings us to Chapter 17, Vengeance. So you pronounce the E... As the second vowel in that word. It's the, the only vowel. vowel. E-A? Gents? Oh, I see what you're saying. No, you're wrong. Summary. Brunor and his dwarves successfully initiate their attack on the giant's reinforcements, while Dritz and Wolfgar continue picking off giant patrols. I have no notes. No notes. Okay. That's what happens. Chapter 18. Here's my note. I have a feeling that unless Salvatore comes up with a more exciting way to, to write battles, I'm going to be bored. I'm with you there. That's more of my wrap-up note, but I agree. I, I feel like I re- thinking about what happened in, in uh, Sojourn. Are you going to correct me? No, why? It's weird because on that one, I'm pronouncing the second vowel. You son of a bitch. What? These words come from different languages where they do oh, things differently. Now you have to honor their, their etymology. Now suddenly there's more than one language and bugs are to blame. Yeah, whatever. Oh, and newsflash, entomology? It's about tree people. <laughs> you were going to talk about a battle scene in uh, Sojourn, I believe? Yeah, the Battle of Mushi's Grove. It's actually it was... Mushi. You want to pronounce the second O? <laughs> Um, it's pronounced Moshi. Moshi's gro- groove. It was written the same way. It felt like it was written with a lot of emphasis on the preparations they were making, just to say 
they shot giants with arrows. Right. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to minimize the creativity of being like colorful or creative and, and like the ballet of writing battle. But like, he did a really good job writing other stuff in this book. And these battles are boring and like, and right convoluted. next to each other. Yeah, and like my Three my eyes just battle. glaze over. Exactly. And I I don't understand. I can't keep track of what's actually happening because it all seems like I, I like start nonsense. I start skimming because I'm like, there's like eight more pages. Right. Is, is it all battle? Oh, it is. Or I I keep going back because I'm like, wait a minute, did where where's the cat? Or like I keep going back and be like, wait a minute, what did Wolfgar collapse here? Oh yeah, look, he's on the. It says he's on the floor. What? Right. What? Yeah, so that's my note. Sorry, so let's bring it home. Chapter 18, Big Grin's House. Summary. Dritz and Wolfgar spend 20 pages killing giants. It's kind of fun and thrilling, but mostly, it's long. Yeah. Um, first notes? Uh, I got a note first, actually. Oh, oh well, pa- okay. Page, mm. page 172. Do you have a note before that? I'm looking for where my note is, but you have to go ahead and say what it is. Uh, note page one seventy two. Dritz cleans his blades. He did. I I caught it subconsciously. I didn't pay enough attention to it. Um, maybe because that's just how it should be. I mean, I guess, but like, there's a lot in the world that isn't the way it should be. So I say we should take note of the things that are the way they should be. You're right. You're Let's right. cherish the rightness in the world. That's absolutely true. So page one seventy three. Oh shit, I was I got right under the wire. Um when Tritz asks Wolfgar about his battle cry. Yeah. Is the, and this is just what I think this is just a uh, miss uh, let me read it to you. What was it you said? Wolfgar laughed heartily. An old elk tribe battle cry, he explained. Strength to my friends and death to my foes. Dritz eyed the barbarian suspiciously and wondered just how deep ran Wolfgar's ability to fabricate a lie on demand. And I'm like, is the book saying he definitely lied or that Dritz is just suspicious? I guess it's probably the lie because otherwise why bring it up? Yeah. But I, I, I decided I was just like, mm, I'm not sure what it's telling me here. So, OK. Um, I think it's a lie. I don't think it's the kind of lie that will cause a rift between the two characters. I think it'll be a lie that we learn about before the end of the book. Sure. And I think it's my guess. I could be, I could easily be wrong, but you know, you like it when I guess my guess is that it's like, it might be the thing he has to, he might have to say something before he can enter a barbarian rage, but I don't think he really raged here. He wasn't really like unconsciously raging. He did talk about like, at a certain point, he talks about, oh, I've been fighting for 10 minutes and I'm full of energy, which is kind of like a barbarian rage, but it's not fully there. Right. So I'm, I think like I talked myself out of that, but it's probably death to all drow and dwarves. <laughs> I don't remember which words he used. I mean, if, if you're talking about all these languages and which ants spoke them, it might be like you might be able to suss it. But I don't even remember where he said it. Okay, I found it. 169. Preni de Krabag am Kaiki Rindere Biokt Iglo Keskron. Well, reindeer's in there. Yeah, that's true. 
It's here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. <laughs> right there. I, I don't know. Um, I liked, I really liked the fanatical giant's death. Oh yeah, the last one. Yeah, that was that was that was suitably unnerving. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, we serve Kessel." Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Kessel. Yeah. I uh, that was that was fun. Um, and then I was a little confused. The last giant, the one killed by Gunweaver, was that the one they sent running back to Kessel, or was that a different one that they did not? Dude, I don't know. I say that was that. That's where, where I'm like, where went, they're. I don't know if that was the messenger giant or just some dude who's trying to get away and they don't know about the messenger giant. I was, I was confused they, like, and I did not want to go back. Yeah, my, my thought is like, why would it matter if there was a messenger giant, you know? Like, why send it at all? Like, what's it? Who's it? Is it going to warn Akar? Is yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to warn, it's gonna warn Kessel that they can't just take these guys by surprise and they need to double down. They've already lost a lot of guys. I just like yeah. 30 giants. Um... Yeah, I don't remember, man. It's it's too confusing. I also don't know why the cat had to make a snake kill the giant instead of just killing it himself or showing how clever the cat was and he wasn't expending extra it wasn't expending extra energy. They say he in these chapters. No, they said it. I was looking for no, it. You... They said he at some point. Really? I know I know it cuz I took note. I was like, there it is, a he you again. Got to write a page number, man. Damn it. Cuz I was looking I'll for try. it and they kept saying it. Because now, without the page number, it could have been referencing somebody else. But I, I saw a, a he at a certain point. It sought a straighter route, believing it to be a quicker path to safety. Oh, no. Well, no, that was the giant. Okay. The cat had already discerned where it wanted to go. Like a shepherd's dog, it closed the remaining distance to scratch and scratched at the giant's flanks. I don't remember which one is oh, the no. time I'm talking about. Like, I there, know, there just, was one. I'm just saying, if you notice it or if I notice it, we need to write down the page number. Sounds good. Um, all right. Do you have any more notes? I just have sort of a sum up of this. Go section. for it. Uh, it seems my apprehension for the book is waning. I found little to critique in these chapters, but for the prolonged battle scenes, which are not my favorite. Uh, still, it will be a while ere I learn to trust again. Yep. I actually felt like maybe it was because this was a particularly long section for us. Like for me, mm-hmm. um, I think we had about a hundred pages. Was that what this one was? Or like 80? it felt, yeah, it was, it was pretty close to a hundred. I think, I think I got fatigued cause I just did that for like, I read mo- that tonight is mm-hmm. basically what I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's the first three fourths were interesting. It was just that last like three chapters of battle, which, could have been the one chapter. It's certainly a big chunk of fighting, which I I, I just don't like it when he writes it. I guess like yeah. I want to like the fighting. I want right. to be excited. Sometimes he's good at writing like the the set dressings of the fights, but the fights themselves I... are shitty. Is this just how I feel about him? Like like for example, let me list you the fun fight scenes that he's he's done for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting over an acid pit and kicking dire corbies into it, pretty fun. That's a cool set piece. Sure. Fighting in the middle of a mind flare camp that has a big jello brain in the middle of it. That was not unfun. I will give you that. Super, super fun. I know that there's more in the first couple of Maybe books. he gets better at writing the fights. Maybe. Um, but like I'm trying to think of like the last couple books. There's this 
like the stoner ice giants. I thought that the fight with the first fight with, well, honestly, I thought that both fights he had with Mick Gristle were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fight, well, not the fight, but the slaughter of the Thistledown family was, I thought, exciting and scary to read. But, like, I'm kind of running empty now sure. because I just didn't enjoy most of the other ones. Like, I do not like Mushi's Grove. I thought it was too much and poorly described. Um, I didn't like the Ten Towns battle, whatever that one was in this book, too, because, again, it was just like over. it happened and it was over. Yeah. These fights all felt essentially re- redundant. I-, I did like – I will say this. This is something I noticed. I think I like Dritz more – if I started experiencing him more as like a Douglas Fairbanks character, as opposed to what I think we, how we got introduced to him. Cause there's moments in these fights where he says things like, don't waste a good meal. And it feels very much like that. It feels like, Oh, he's swashbuckling. Yes. Give to that me. That makes a lot of sense to me. That makes a yeah, lot like- of sense. Yes. Right, like, like, give me, give me the guy with the two rapiers, essentially, right? Right. Like he's double the man, like Zorro is. Right. And he's going around doing. I don't. I don't want to read about Don Diego de la Vega in uh, school. Yes, exactly. Uh, unless he's getting hit on by a sister, sure. which was cool. Um, <laughs> but like, so I can, I can, like, I can kind of. It's helping me understand, like, if you start here. And this is the Dritz you know. He's this, like, he's this, like, uh, someone has described it to me as he's the Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. In this, he's training Luke, Wolfgar, in, in how to be better at fighting. Right. And, like, but right. he's, he's also, used like, very got, sparingly in this book. Yeah, he's got a lot of charm. He's got a lot of, like, value. He takes you into the dungeon and, and protects you and also has fun with it. He's, like, cavalier and, like, cool. It's just, like, I get it, but if you start with that dour shit of Homeland. You're not like the other drow. It just sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like, it's it's a completely different tone that I think, as we've learned, doesn't really get you to understand Dritz or appreciate Dritz, even if you can understand him better. Which I disagree you can, but. Sure. Otherwise, your point is spot on. Sure. I like those moments, those couple of moments in the fights where those are fun was like, No, I agree. Yeah, I, I like that. I enjoyed that. His, um, yeah, whatever the whatever the thing he fell and hit the floor, and he's like, "Oh man, yeah, my mutton." Yeah, yeah. Or he's like, you know, he's, I think he says the thing where he's like, "Don't make a mess" or something like that. It's just like, why? It's silly. It's like he's he's just being like Playful. a rogue. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fun. Um. More, please. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else? I don't have anything. Guess else. what? Surprise! New word alert. Well, I've got a new word alert too. Actually, sorry, I didn't have any other notes. Surprise! New word alert. New word alert. Don't make me say it again. Do you want to go first? No, you can go first. I don't want to go first now. No, you gotta go first. I don't want to. No, it's, you gotta go first. That was Death Readers. I'm Doug. All right. I've got a new <laughs> word. Here's my new word. Are you ready for this? I'm listening. Aegis. <gasps> oh. Um, Aegis. Man, I don't know. I've never heard that word before or read it. 
Hey, wait, hold on a second. Aegis. Don't listen to that. That's weird. Aegis. Yeah, that's what it was. What was the other Aegis. one? Th- this one? What was the other one, though? Aegis. Yeah, don't listen yeah, to that. Yeah, what's that one? What's that one? Aegis. So, uh, that is a word I have heard. No, no, it's definitely this one. Aegis. No, what was the... Uh, uh, are you doing two words? No, it's the same word. <laughs> it's are one of sure? those Could... Aegis, also known as Aegis. Weird. I actually uh, have run into this word before, and I couldn't remember where until I read the definition, which... Do you, are you looking it up? I already looked it up. Oh, yeah, okay. it was... Well, it's a I, shield I, or breastplate. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't make sense. Well, specifically, and, and there's not enough information here, but that they say a shield or breastplate emblematic of majesty that was associated with Zeus and Athena. Specifically, it brought back reading all the Percy Jackson books to my kid. And the Aegis is a specific shield, the one that Medusa's head gets imprisoned in and can be used to turn people or creatures to stone. And is the subject of a hugely popular painting, I think, by Caravaggio, which is in the Uffizi in Florence. Right. Um, Which I've seen. (laughs) You must go. If I believed that, then you would be stone, and I don't believe it because you're not stone. Uh, Caravaggio didn't put the magic into his painting. I'm sorry, that was horribly offensive. He didn't have a... He didn't have a, a, a vision that sent him into a, a nightmare convulsion where he... Paroxysm? He, he's, he's, he sprayed diamond dust all over his painting until it could turn people to stone. What a coward. Um, <laughs> I just don't know why you would call a hammer a shield and fang. Like, that's the stuff that makes it confusing. Shield fang. Yeah. Doesn't really deflects it's not built to deflect i mean i guess it can and it doesn't really stab like a fang yeah it's it's all over the place off it's just like very mis. it's very odd it's very odd unless it just has a kind of mythic sound to it i think that's the thing is it if you if you were reading the word aegis and aegis. thought it it just meant like god if you thought it just meant like like all those words that start with ae they end up having some sort of like very very grand uh root like eon ether eon ether uh aegis aegis whatever they all like have these big like things that come from them this like otherworldliness acacia and so maybe like that's part of where it's from is like this idea of like oh it's 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 otherworldly it's magical a gene like that's a C, right? Yeah, but it's probably, I mean, it's like in Greece, right? right so that's probably right, where right. he just came from. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that maybe it just, I don't like the name. I don't like Aegis Fang. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just weird as the name for a hammer. If it was a name for a dagger sure. or a shield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a shield just, that got all spiky. Right. Or, like, had one of those spikes in the center of it where, like, you block, block, but you could also stab with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like the glaive from Krull, if you could, like, hold it and it became a shield, but it also had the blades, that would be Aegis Fang. Sure. But not a big hammer. No. Or a small hammer for someone who's feeling a little... Seven uh, feet tall? I'm just saying, you, it wasn't big enough for you. You said you well, wanted a bigger hammer. Maybe it's just the scale's wrong. It's just, like, maybe it's just the scale's wrong to me. That's like, true. Like, I, don't, be... can't, I can't... I can't conceptualize how tall this seven foot guy is. That's true. Um, all right. My new word. Cunny. Cunny. Cunny? Yeah. It's 
C-U-N-N-Y? No. Oh, thank God. Oh, no. I know that word. <laughs> I haven't heard that word since the, uh, the Rob, Ren Fair in, in Arizona. Rob, I've read penthouses from the early and late 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I don't know what you mean. Your joke. <laughs> I thought ha- your jokes <laughs> were fake until they happened to me. <laughs> so, what is the word you are trying to convey? C O N E Y. Coney. Oh, I think you mean. Coney. I just remember... Sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Coney. Ah. Like a brace of... Fro- like a brace of conies, Mr. Frodo. Yes, that. Wish I had some taters. Yes. What are... What are taters? Taters? Taters, process. There he is. Ow. Um, <laughs> I believe it's like a rabbit that you eat? Yes. As that's what Sam was bending about bending about it's it's rabbit uh the 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 first definition is technically rabbit fur but the second definition is just rabbit yeah um or pika yeah they the, i think by the second time i saw that fucking dwalin was eating it uh what's his name dwalin no the, the dwarf in this book Oh, ba- uh, Brunor. Brunor. Uh, when, when Brunor was eating it, I'm like, oh, that's like the rabbit from uh, from the Hobbit books. I forgot about a brace of conies. I forgot about that. I just In this book, Dritzt is getting rabbits, and he's giving them to Brunor, and he's like, I have like, enough for you. Surprise, surprise, I cooked your breakfast. You just um, happened to be here eating some food. Yeah. Let me. I forgot to calculate the page links before our show. Oh. For the the next episode. I know what you mean. I'm sorry. I'm not that confrontational. You you're, are. You're doing a fine. great job. Ah, uh, maybe. Well, I think we're gonna go from chapter 19 to 27. No. Oh. All right. Next time we'll be reading chapter 19 through chapter 25. Do we read chapter 26? No. Oh. That's what through chapter 25 means. What page number do we read to? 266. Do we read 267? No, we don't read 267. We read 266. Got it. And that's just because the last chunk was so long. Oh, I think The next two weeks will be so easy. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else? I do not. Let's GTFO. That was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Uh, I don't really have a way to end that concept or that con- conversation. I think we'll just get out of it. Okay. But pause it um, for a second. Sure. I need to fix this Rembrandt lighting. Ring wraith lighting? Oh, Rob has to fix his ring wraith lighting. He's written like a ring wraith. Oh, yeah. He can hear me put my ring on. What? Nothing. Will you listen back to it and go, wow? I will listen back to it and go, why didn't you say this?
Why didn't you say jerk store? Oh, you. Me. Not me. Not Rob. No. No, I, when I write your dialogue, I'll tell you I'm doing it. <laughs> That's true. Um, I, uh, I really, um... Line? Well, you have to ask for it. I can't. Oh, no, I thought they were going to write my dialogue for me. Well, I, I will if you add you. If no, you need no, it. no, 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 no. I don't need anything from you. I need you like I need a line. <laughs> uh, you need me like you need a uh, hole full of dwarves. There it is.